Welcome back to the Reading for a Change podcast, a podcast from Moody Publishers, where we take an inside look at the books transforming our lives and shaping the world. Hello, I'm your host, Drew Dick, and I'm here on, oh man, what are we on? Week 543 of the great quarantine lockdown. It's not really that long. It's been like, I don't know, six or seven weeks, but it feels like 500 weeks. Um, we are starting to get a little braver. At least my family is, or more foolish, if you prefer. We're venturing out and getting takeout, and we're going to public parks, although we are practicing social distancing. Uh, we're trying to be careful, and we're going to stores that are open, but we're wearing our face masks. So it feels a little more normal. We're feeling a little more human. Uh, but there is a subset of the population for whom this time is especially scary and challenging, and that is older Americans. And I have a guest on the podcast today who is uniquely qualified to speak um, about their plight, about how we can do a better job of connecting with older Americans and loving them. Isabel Tom is an author and speaker who is passionate about serving the older adult population. Uh, she has served in the senior living and hospice fields, and she loves educating younger generations, and she's part of that younger generation herself, about the value of our elders. She's written a brand new book called The Value of Wrinkles, a young perspective on how loving the old will change your life. Isabel, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Drew. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I think it's such an important one. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask you a little more about your story and how you um, came to be passionate about older adults. But I want to start with a question about the moment we're in with this pandemic, because obviously this is a scary time for older Americans. Uh, they are more susceptible to COVID-19. Uh, and in addition to the fear of, of potentially getting this illness, there's increasing isolation for them. Um, and so what's your take just on, in general, what, how are older adults holding up right now and what are their biggest kind of fears and challenges? Yeah. So I think um, because older adults encompasses a lot of different um, people who have different, you know, health um, statuses um, and are just in different walks of life stages too. Um, I would say I kind of would group it into for those who are healthier older adults, I think, well, I think this is hard on everybody, but I think for those who are healthier, um, I get the sense that they're having a hard time, but they don't want to be a burden. So they're not going to say that they're having a hard time. Sure. Um, and so they're kind of like holding it in. But I do sense this fear. And also, um, it's just hard because they can't see the people they love the most. So for those who are healthier, a lot of them help to take care of their grandchildren or they at least visit them often. And I even just posted this morning on Instagram, just a picture of my dad holding um, one of my nieces and just snuggling, holding her. Right. And I think hmm. that's what grandparents are missing the most right now. Oh, it's just yeah. so hard. Right. I think for those who are maybe in a senior living facility, like a nursing home or assisted living, and maybe they're in poor health, I think this is, I would say in two, two things that one, it's, it's hard for them um, because right now they are not getting as much social interaction as they're used to. 
And so not only are they not able to see their family as often because visit, uh, visitors are limited in terms of visiting um, their nursing home or assisted living, you know, visitors aren't allowed right now um, unless it's a really dire situation. But also they are um, not getting seen as much, even by the professionals that serve them. So if they, yes. you know, if somebody's getting hospice care, um, even in those situations, unless it's like absolutely necessary, the way to protect and help a lot of these seniors is um, to not visit them as often. And so my heart just goes out to those um seniors who are alone and some of them are even separated from their own spouse because maybe one of them is in poor health or has COVID. And so um, it's just a huge loss for seniors. You know, they usually deal with social isolation much more than the general public. Um, And so that's already hard, but now it's like it's being taken to another level. So um, I think they just can use so much prayer and just um, so much love, even if it's coming from the phone. And I'm sure we'll get into that more, but yeah, um, no, they just really need a lot of TLC during this time. <laughs> no kidding. Cause like you said, even, you know, in the, under the best of circumstances, uh, they're already more tend to be more isolated uh, than the rest of the population. And now that's just exacerbated that. Um, yeah. I'm curious about your, um, your story because it is a little unusual for a, per, a young person like yourself in, in I think you're in your thirties uh, to have such a passion for uh, this group of people, but you've dedicated your life to serving them and reading about your relationship with your grandparents was incredibly touching. Um, and, and you were just very honest. You, you lived with them growing up and you were very, um, honest about the challenges. Of course, you love them, you know, incredible benefits, and yet sometimes felt smothered by them. Uh, But the love really comes through. uh, Mm -hmm. And your grandma just died recently, uh, a couple of years ago at 102, which is incredible. But I'm wondering if you can briefly describe the role that living with your grandparents growing up played in setting you on the chorus for what you do today. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I think people sometimes think that maybe I had this desire to serve the older population when I was young, and I wouldn't say that was true at all. So for me, you know, I grew up living with my grandparents and I lived with them until I was 26. When I got married, I moved out. Um, But I didn't always appreciate having them there. You know, it was just, I lived with my grandparents um, and it was probably when I got my first job out of college I started working in a large, it's called a continuing care retirement community. And I met, there was, it was a community of about 2,800 residents. And so I met all these other older adults and I was, um, I, I learned under the mentorship of some really great leaders in the senior care field who just showed me, um, they taught me so many things. And it really, I would say with each day, with each new job I got, um, it gave me a greater understanding and appreciation for older adults. Um, and I also had like a turning point. So I, I um, in my 20s, I was attending a lot of send-offs, you know, my friends were moving out of town for relationships, for new jobs, for grad school, whatever. And as I was attending these send-offs, it just hit me that, you know what? My my grandparents, they are in their 90s. They need a send-off and not hmm. simply a party, a send-off like that. But 
they need um, to just have their lives celebrated. They need a chance to be able to um, reflect on their life. They need somebody to just shower them with love and remind them that they are special like you would at a send-off party. They need closure. Um, and they need this because they are their lives are about to end. We don't know. I didn't know exactly when that would be, but I knew that um, God had put me in my role as a grandchild for a purpose. And that's when it kind of like hit where I was like, oh, I'm not just living with them. I have been put here. God has been put me here. And it's a noble uh, role that he has given me to kind of walk my grandparents to the end of their lives and to the gate of heaven. So Mm -hmm. both of them were believers. And so that was just something that really convicted me to kind of smile more, to give them a, a, a hug every night before I went to sleep, to call them more often, and just to find whatever ways I could to bless them in this season that was, um, that's hard for older adults. Sure. That's awesome. I love that. And and I can see how that sparked a love for older, older people that, that kind of, um, fed into what you did for a living. Uh, one issue I thought was so important that you brought up, you talk about how in our society, we are increasingly sensitive, uh, towards racism and sexism. Uh, and social injustice, which we should be. That's a good thing. But at the very same time, we're often completely okay with belittling older generations, right? I see this all the time online. I can't believe it. Like, you know, you get called out if you use the wrong term or anything for for someone's gender or or race. Um, And yet when it comes to like making snarky comments about an old person, you know, losing their marbles or their, you know, uh, just making fun of them, basic ageism, yeah. it rarely gets called out. And wh- so why is our sensitivity so selective? Um, I think it's really simple. It's, you know, when somebody um, offends another person, you know, if you're g- going to talk about um, an older person, they don't have a voice to speak out. Mm. Um, a lot of times, just literally, they don't have a voice as they're declining. They don't have the energy to speak up. And I think what's even worse is that in our society, um, the issue is so bad that among older adults, they don't value where they are in life. So, you know, I've had plenty of older um, folks who I've worked with who, when I'm like, you know, give me one piece of advice that you would give me for life. And they're like, don't get old. And so there's this shame that comes for a lot of older people as they're getting, you know, and, and so you hear it even when people just say, I'm getting old, you know, that, um, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that people are doing purposely to offend somebody who is older, but, um, it just, gives off the idea that just because you're old, that you have lost value and that you are not precious in God's sight. And I I think it happens in society and in the church as well. So, Yeah, no, that's huge. Do you think this is more of a problem in Western culture um, that maybe we don't esteem our elders in the same way as as, um, happens in a lot of other countries? That's my, my sense, but I'm just wondering about your take on that. I mean, I think that every situation is different. I would say there are some cultures who value an older person as part of the immediate family unit. Mm -hmm. And so they're not kind of pushed to the outskirts. I mean, it's harder in um, the U.S. too because families are spread apart. And so, you know, 
uh, a younger person's interaction or their exposure to older adults may be influenced completely by media. Maybe their par- grandparents have already passed. Maybe their grandparents live across the country and they see them only in the holidays. So they're basing, um, they're getting their ideas, their perspectives about older adults may be completely bogus because yeah. they're coming from really uh, if you think about it, I think the World Health Organization said that in 2018, there are 125 million um, older people in our in our world, and that's only 80 years old and above. And so in the U.S., um, older adults is defined as 65 and up. But if you think of it, you know, it, even if you have both sets of grandparents living, that's four people out of 125 million. And... Um, that's not a really good way to base, you know, your right. <laughs> perceptions of a certain yeah, group or of caricatures people. you see on TV, right? Um, which yeah. often aren't flattering uh, of older people. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the reasons I was excited about your book is I have a hundred-year-old grandpa. Um, awesome. Yeah, and he's going strong. He's <laughs> he's wow. actually going to be one hundred and one in September. Wow. Uh, and he's in remarkably he, good health. He, he's tremendously blessed that way. No medication at all. Very sharp wow. mentally. Wow. Uh, one major physical challenge he has is that he's almost completely deaf. Uh, mm. In fact, I'm one of the only people he can still hear because thanks to my <laughs> obnoxiously loud voice. In fact, it was funny. I was talking to him recently and he's like, you know, Drew, you don't have to yell at me. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I can hear you. <laughs> I'm not totally deaf. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and he's an incredible guy, awesome, godly man. He was a pastor in, you know, for his career, but I gotta be honest, he can be a tad legalistic. Um, and I mean, if you're a dude who has long hair, he's gonna, he's gonna tell you how God doesn't like that. And, uh, if you're a woman who wears, uh, shorts that are a little too short, he may give you a rebuke for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- you know, th- there are some interpersonal difficulties often with people that are older, maybe because they grew up in a different era and, you know, uh, the culture has changed so rapidly um, or or whatever the case is, or perhaps they do have health challenges that, that make them a little crankier. And you talk about this, that for those older people, I mean, we all like to think of that old sweet old grandma who's just like always loving and, and giving you cookies and, and, and just being super nice. But that's of course, not all older people. Yeah. Uh, in the book, you talk about loving a lemon. I love that. What's your advice on how to love and care for those older adults who can be a little prickly and difficult? Yeah. So I think there's a number of things and this could go on and on. Um, I think number one, you've got to understand what they're going through. And I think for an older person, you know, sometimes we assume that we know what they're going through, but a lot of times they won't even express you know, what their concerns are or what's on their mind, often because mm-hmm. they don't feel like they have a voice or that they might be called, you know, like they might be told that they're just grumbling and complaining. And, you know, I, I, my grandpa was a fairly difficult person and I, Sounds like it. I complained <laughs> about him and looking back, you know, um, sometimes I spoke too soon and in working in the hospice care field, I learned so much about pain and, um, how we can have emotional pain and physical pain because of all these different things going, th- you know, through us. So if you think about just the losses that an older person goes through, I mean, you were mm. just talking about hearing loss. 
Now, if if we at our age had hearing loss, we would probably be having a tough time. But if you had hearing loss and then, you know, you're um, you had an injury or, you know, some sort of physical um issue that didn't allow you to, let's say, walk outside or, you know, I exercise and that is really how I get stress relief, right? I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm older because um, that's how I cope when I go through a lot of stressful moments, you know? Um, I go outside, I get fresh air, but think about that older person in your life who it's hard for them to just get outside by themselves and they just need fresh air, let's say. Or Hmm. if you just think about sleep, um, so I forgot what, what the number was, but I think it was maybe like 50% of older adults, they deal with insomnia. And I'm a mom of three young kids. And when I don't get sleep, oh my goodness, like <laughs> God, right. don't even get near me. You know, I'm just not in a good mood, but imagine if you deal with this all the time. Um, I, there was one, um, senior that I met with, um, that I used to work with and she was telling me that, you know, she, has a hard time sleeping every night. So in the middle of the night, she sleeps a little bit in her bed. Then she moves to her recliner. Then she's got to move back. And that's every single night, you know? So just imagine how that affects your mood and your behavior and how your relationships, um, people with chronic illnesses can say that will say that, you know, your health affects your relationships. And so just to understand it, because that will allow you to give uh, more grace when you're you know, dealing with this person. And I think the other thing is that's why it's important where you have to, why you have to have a village. You, you need a Mm. lot of people to be part of that, um, village to care for that, that person. Because when we are overwhelmed, we don't treat, you know, as, as the adult child or as a grandchild, if you are overwhelmed, you're not going to be able to have patience for your grandparent or your, your loved one. So, um, I mean, that's just to start. And there's so many different things, but I mean, just even think about the loss in terms of losing, um, your, your siblings, your spouses. I mean, Right. That's a lot to carry. And then also the fact that you probably don't talk about it a lot because you don't want to be a burden to other people and you don't want to mm. complain. So it's just a lot that older people are processing and going through. And sometimes even if they have good health internally, they're going through so much. Their bodies may be changing, but also just, they're just processing. They're nearing the end of life. And so there may be fear. There may be questions. Um, just so very much that I can't get into all here. No. But you know, you get so the true. idea. No, totally. You're right. Like you don't even think of that. Like they're losing siblings or have lost siblings, friends, spouses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and when you when you realize, you know, in addition to the social challenges, the isolation, often the physical challenges that I think will uh, make us extend more grace to them, realizing uh, the challenges that they're dealing with that we likely are not. Uh, it's yeah. just so wild. I was talking to my grandpa actually last weekend and I was talking to him about the pandemic a little bit. And he said, yeah, I lost, uh, or one of my cousins died from the Spanish flu. <laughs> I go, There's yeah. some perspective. Yeah. <laughs> that was 19, what? 1918, 1919. Um, yeah. So it's, he knows about this. Wild. He knows about the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> this is, this is his second global pandemic. Exactly, well, I think he was like yeah. born during the, the, the first pandemic, but it's wild. Um, and yet there's so much 
you know, richness that comes from that perspective uh, of having people like that speak into your life and be part of your life. Um, <clears throat> what what is the main thing that you hope that people will take away um, after reading your book? Mm. Um. I think I would want people to see that older adults, having an older person in your life is just a gift. It's a gift from God. And I think a lot mm. of times when we look at, we say we need to care for an older person. Um, when we look at that, we sometimes don't see it as a relationship and we see it as a one-way thing. Like, how, how do I love the older person in my life? What do I do to help them? Um, but I think that God has put older adults in our lives for a reason, and it's because they bless us in return. We can learn so much from them. We can be blessed by their experience. We can be blessed by just having a stable presence in our lives. Um, so interesting story is the title of my book was actually, at first was The Value of Wrinkles, A Young Perspective on How to Love the Old. And then as um, I was writing, we kind of, um, with the editor and um with um, the publishing team, they, they kind of came back to me and were like, well, you know, there's this theme there and it's not, this book is not just about how to love older people. It's that when you love an older person, you, you get something back. And for me, yes. it changed my life. And it was, it was a huge blessing that as a grandchild, I, I griped about this. I was like, why do I have to live with my grandparents and nobody else has to, but you know, I, I, I look back and it has just, um, it, it, it was character development. It taught me so many lessons. I mean, my grandma is probably the person, um, because I was so close to her, she's probably the person who showed me Jesus. I mean, and mm. I'm a pastor's kid, so I'm, you know, I'm naturally, I just want to run away from God and not go to church <laughs> and everything like that. But it was because of her example, um, that I was blessed, you know, with, um, the the joy of just seeing how um, great it is to know Jesus and how knowing him can carry you through all the way to 102 oh. and to be able to still have joy, you know? And so I think it's that long-term perspective that they give us. It's their example. Um, even if they're not a sweet person, we can learn by reflecting on their lives. Um, and there's just so much there. Um so just That's that good. having an older person in your life, it's its a gift. We don't see it all the time. Um, but when you invest in a relationship, um, come back to me after you invest in that relationship and, and a few years in, you know, or after that person's passes, as you reflect, you'll see that that was a blessing in disguise yes. that God gave you. Yes. Oh, I love that. And especially, you know, if, if that older person in your life is a believer to see, to get to witness a life lived for Christ over the long haul, even in 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 difficult uh, the difficult final years, often yes, uh, is just a real um, uh, tonic for our faith and a great example, especially for young people. Uh, thank you. If I I just want to say to our listeners, if you've been enjoying this conversation, head over to MoodyPublishers.com and grab a copy of Isabel's book. Again, it's called The Value of Wrinkles, and right now it is forty percent off. So I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you've been locked up like I have for a long time and you 
uh, are getting sick of Netflix and you need to grab a good book. <laughs> so again, head over to moodypublishers.com, uh, type in the value of wrinkles. It'll, it'll come up and it is 40% off today. Uh, Isabel, we, in this, um, podcast, we like to ask every guest, a little bit about the writing process or their writing life. Uh, we have had um, some very accomplished authors that have written like 40 books. Uh, last week, it was Max Lucado. Um, before that, we talked to Lee Strobel and Philip Yancey. Uh, obviously, these are people that have written a ton. Um, <laughs> you are at the, and I'm not trying to, <laughs> you're like, oh, great, no pressure, right? Um <laughs> But here you are, you're not a brand new writer. You've been blogging for a long time, but this is, I believe, your first book. Um, and I would just love your perspective as someone who's at the beginning of this, freshly through the process, um, to talk about that experience. What was the hardest part and what was the most gratifying for you? You're going to find this really amusing. So um, the hardest part was writing the book. There you writing, go. <laughs> and I have learned that, you know, a good writer reads a lot. And so when I started this, I felt like I was kind of set up because I had, I, my kids were one, three and five when I started writing the proposal. They were two, four and six when I got the contract and I had not read a book and I can't tell you how many years. <laughs> and sure. so I was like, oh man, I am screwed. How am I going to write this book? So finding the words, I was literally, you know, during the day I'd be reading Thomas the Train or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and I'd be like, that's a good verb. Let me write that down. Um, so for me, it was hard because I haven't had to sit down. I haven't been in school for a while. Um writing was hard, not only because I had lack, you know, I have young kids and time was hard to get, but um, it was hard because I've never written a book before. Writing a blog post and a book are completely different things. So uh, this is, it was just a very funny experience as I look back. Um, and sure. I wrote it though, because I had a passion for this story that I felt like hmm. really needed to be told. I felt like it needed to be told before I turned 40 or the book would not have been as effective. I tell people that if mm. a 90-year-old read this book, people wouldn't pick it up. But because I'm considered younger, then right. um, yeah. there was this urgency for me to write this book, even with three young kids. So writing the book was definitely the hardest part. <laughs> so thank you, God, that it's done. Thank you to my husband, too. Oh, man, I can attest to that reality because I have young children, too. And it's actually, I wrote my first book before I had kids. <laughs> and it was way easier because it's like, okay, it's the weekend. Got nothing to do but write. Uh, yeah. But then you have young kids, right? And then you're stealing an hour or two here and there. Not yes. only that, but you're exhausted. And yeah, it's it's a writing's hard regardless. But then adding kids to the mix uh, just makes it that much harder. How about the most gratifying part for you? Mm, okay, I guess there's... Can I name two things? Absolutely. <laughs> so I guess one is um, in terms of like my writing story, my publishing story, you know, I I um, was able to get a contract and I, it was all God's doing. And so just mm. seeing the story unfold, I mean, I blogged, but I only had 26 followers when I got my contract yeah. and that was me included. So I could test what... <laughs> We got sent to me. It was my mom, my husband, you know, mom, right? those yeah. types of people. So it's just been amazing to see how God has just opened the doors for me to be able to share this story. And my hope that it is that it blesses a lot of people. I think the other fun part was just the 
you know, seeing the cover. These are things that I never knew about book writing, you know. Um, so deciding on the cover, seeing it unfold, having it being formatted in Word, then put in typeset. I mean, all those little things. Um, every time I would get to a next step, um, it was just so fun because I had never been through it before. I learned new terms. I had, I had no idea what they meant. I thought BCC <laughs> meant BCC in an email, uh, like a blind, <laughs> blind carbon copy. I didn't know it was... cover copy. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. I I started... kept. Rereading emails because I was like, I think I'm missing something. So it's just that part was fun, just learning new things. <laughs> That's awesome. It is. It is fun. <laughs> it is a very collaborative process, and you're right. And there's certain satisfaction in seeing the final product. And by the way, the cover looks great. Um, I encourage everyone to go check it out. Not only buy it, but just take a look at the cover. It's got uh, pictures of a lot of older folks uh, and some not older ones, and it's just so really actually. Well done. Do Do you know the story about the the cover? I don't. Tell me. So so my grandma's on the front in orange, and that's me next oh, no to her. Way. Oh, that's yes. That's a picture of my okay. grandma. You turn to the back, and my grandpa's in orange, my yeah, yes. And then my three kids and my husband are in blue. So they got a little. And and what is up with the kangaroo? That's actually a dog. Or a dog. No, sorry, yeah, it's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> that okay. is a dog. Um, yes. I believe it's oh, the dog awesome. of um, the designer for the book. So Kelsey, she nice. did a great job. Yeah. Awesome. So she sure did. That's awesome. Oh, good. Um, that's really refreshing to hear <laughs> just that kind of joy and enthusiasm of someone going through the process for the first time. Yeah. Uh, and that is a lot of fun. Another question I've been asking people during this time where where we're stuck in our homes, um, what guilty pleasure, <laughs> and it can be anything, uh, mm-hmm. has helped you get through this challenging time? Okay. Um, I would say fresh air and getting oh. outside to exercise. So it's it's awesome that it's spring. I mean, not for the people who have allergies, but... <laughs> Um, it's awesome that it's beautiful weather and fresh air just helps me so much. Exercise is so, so helpful to me, you know, um, each and every day, just coping with new things and new schedules and everything like that. So exercise and fresh air. Yes. Oh no, that's so vital. I've been, um, I've actually been far more consistent during this time probably because there's not as much to do about getting out for my run. And I agree with you. It's, it's a real stress reliever and I look forward to it too, because it's the time I can listen to a podcast or I have a little app that reads articles to me, you know, as I run. Um, And so that's kind of fun as well. Isabel, Mm -hmm. I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I want to thank you for your absolutely vital work on this topic and your book. It's a great book. Again, I encourage people to go to moodypublishers.com and grab a copy for 40% off. One thing too, I want to add about the book. I love it's got all throughout. There are these little quotes from older adults talking very honestly about their lives, their needs, that kind of thing. So please check it out. And listeners, if you've enjoyed this conversation, please leave a review on Apple or Google podcasts uh, or just a rating. Uh, Every person who does that gets one reward in heaven. That's probably not true, but you know, who knows? So (laughs) I'm probably going to get some kind of angry email. It's like, there are no rewards in heaven for leaving reviews for podcasts. But anyway, uh, I do appreciate those. Thank you again for listening. Stay safe, stay engaged, find creative ways to love the older adults in your life. And until next time, keep reading.